Good morning, everybody, and a very warm welcome to worship at Hillhead Baptist Church. As we meet today, we do so with great sadness, grieving the sudden death of our sister Anne, a much loved and deeply respected member of our church for over half a century. In the years I have known Anne, she has demonstrated great humility alongside her incredible ability and really did not like having attention drawn to herself. Today, though, it is right that we take some moments of silence as we gather to remember her life and to grieve her death. prayer from the Baptist collection, gathering for worship. God of compassion, you know us better than we know ourselves. You understand what we are feeling and you are with us in our grief. Bind the wounds of our sorrow and surround us with your love through Christ our Lord. Amen. During worship this morning, we will hear Leo reading scripture. Jenny will lead the Lord's Prayer in Norwegian. Nancy will lead our prayers for others. And very shortly, Bonnie will light our candle. Our musicians this morning are Paul on keyboard, Neil on trumpet, and George on cello. This evening on Zoom only, I will be leading the first in a series of three reflections on the theme of worship in a digital age. This is a series that Anne and I had planned to lead together and will be dedicated to her memory. I am now able to confirm that Anne's funeral will take place on Saturday the 15th of October. The funeral service for family and friends will take place at 10.30 at Dalnotta, that's Clyde Bank Crematorium, and that will be followed at 12 noon by a service of thanksgiving at Wellington Church. Please do continue to hold Brian, Grace and the wider family in your thoughts and your prayers at this time. We do also have some really good news to share, some positive news, and I know that Anne would want us to do so. I'm very pleased to be able to share with you the good news that Tamara's baby, Ben, is now home and recovering well following his recent stay in hospital. Next Sunday, both of our services will be on Zoom only. Please don't come here next Sunday because you'll find yourself caught up in a wedding. 
In the morning, our harvest service in support of Operation Agri, and in the evening, I will be joined in conversation by Reverend Dr. Ruth Goldborn and Reverend Jonathan Somerville as part of the series Worship in a Digital Age. But now it is time for Bonnie to light our candle. Thank you, Bonnie. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Scriptures urge us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And as we gather today, we attempt to do just that. Let us pray together. God of all creation, this day we give you thanks for the freedom we have to gather in the name of Jesus and to bring with us the sorrows and the joys the ordinary and the extraordinary of our daily lives, knowing that you welcome and accept us just as we are. 
God of kindliness and grace, the calm presence in the storms of life, we ask you now to hold us in our personal grief and our communal sadness, to listen to the questions, the rage and the confusion, and to walk with us as we travel the steps of this unchosen path. God of hopefulness and joy, the inextinguishable light in the darkness. We ask you now to strengthen us for the challenges of the days ahead. To surprise us with moments of pure joy and of pleasure. To empower us for life in all its fullness. God of all things, be with us this day, this night, and for always. Amen. Ade vår, du som är i himlen, helige vår ditt namn. Komme ditt rike, kär din vilja som i himlen så och på jorden. I oss idag vårt dagliga bröd och förlåt oss vår skild som vi och förlåter vår skildner och led oss icke in i fristelse men fri oss från det onda för rika är ditt makten och ären i evighet Amen
first reading is from Habakkuk. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen? O cry to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law becomes slack, and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. The second reading is from Lamentations. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. As you know, uh, the pattern here for a number of years has been that during the month I will collate the readings for the next month and will share them with Anne for inclusion in the key. The readings we have heard this morning had already been chosen for today. I had not expected to be reading them in these circumstances. Thirteen years ago this weekend, I made my promises as a covenant member of Hillhead Baptist Church. Because before I am anything else to you, I am one of you. I am an ordinary member of this congregation. And then a few minutes later, as minister and congregation, we made a covenant to walk together with God in ways known and to be made known. Such services are significant and important. They mark a moment in time when we are filled with hope and excitement. We believe this is a moment of God. With singing, preaching, promises and prayers, on that day we began to write a new chapter in the story of Hillhead Baptist Church. 
I have never forgotten the essence of the sermon that our friend Ruth Goldborn preached that day, based on Philippians chapter 2. Ruth knew my backstory and she knew the backstory of this congregation. And into that, she urged us to be kind to each other. To be kind to each other as minister to congregation, as congregation to minister, and as a community of people trying to follow Jesus. Over those 13 years, we have shared much together. Truly, it has been life in all its fullness. We have rejoiced as babies were born, as couples got married, as people followed Jesus through the waters of baptism, and as people chose to covenant with us in membership. It is only a few weeks since our last baptisms and covenant membership services, of which Anne was such a big part. At a recent managers' meeting, we noted in conversation that in those 13 years, we have shared in the blessing of 10 baptisms and an estimated 25 new people have covenanted with us in membership. And that felt really life affirming. But during that time, we have also known frustration and disappointment, perhaps especially in relation to the development of our premises in Cresswell Street. And I know, because I'm not daft, that there have been times in those 13 years that I've let you down. Times when I've fallen short of what I would have wished to be when I made those promises. We have together raged and wondered as we've watched events on the national and international stage. We have wept as friends we have loved dearly have become elderly or frail or ill or have died. Today as we gather, of course we are shocked. We are grieving the sudden death of our sibling in Christ and stalwart of our church, Anne. Our grief is raw and our hearts, well I've written ache, I think our hearts are broken. Questions, rage, bewilderment, shock, disbelief and so much more. Yet we gather and we do what the Church of Christ has always done and what I feel sure Anne would have wanted us to do. We turn to the scriptures, to the passages that were already chosen and trusting that somehow in these ancient words we'll find a kernel of truth and a crumb of hope. The little book of Habakkuk appears only twice in the entire three-year cycle of the lectionary, and both of those are in the same month. And each time, it is the same verses. I'm not today going to attempt any kind of exposition of the words we heard read. Rather, I am drawn to the brutal honesty of the conversation between the prophet and God, which for me at least is helpful. If you had a paper Bible, you would have probably seen above the verses that Leo read for us, a title had been inserted, Habakkuk's First Complaint. I think that's a rather polite description of what seems to have been a full-on rant. For goodness sake, God, he says, 
For goodness sake, when are you going to do something? Look at the state of us. Do something. And the reply we're given from God does not satisfy Habakkuk. He doesn't just smile politely and get on. He has a second rant at God, calling God to account. And it's something along the lines of this. Look, if you say you, you are who you say you are, God, then goodness sake, why are you allowing this to happen? It feels utterly hopeless and helpless to Habakkuk. Bad people are prospering. Good people are suffering. And God is, well, silent or absent or even possibly approving of it all. If there is one truth for us to take from this strange and complicated little book, it is this, that God is big enough to be shouted at to be questioned, to be doubted, and to be criticised. Over the years we have journeyed together, we have said many times that faith is not about certainty. Faith is not about the absence of doubt. Rather, it is a chosen, deliberate determination to keep on believing despite the fear and the frustration and the dismay and the feeling let down by God. So is the situation utterly hopeless? God's answer to Habakkuk is otherwise. Habakkuk is told to make a giant placard, to write in big letters so that anybody could see them at a distance, some words of hope. And they can be paraphrased something like this. There will be an end to this pain and sorrow, this struggle and despair, even if now it feels never ending. If only it were that simple, eh? Thousands of years later, and what has changed? The words we heard from the book of Lamentations take up this same theme of despair and disillusionment. My soul is bowed down within me. I'm at the end of my tether. I am done. Life is overwhelmingly awful. And yet, so often in the scriptures, there is that pair of words or their equivalent. And yet, a deliberate, held on by the fingernails determination. And yet this I call to mind. I drag from the depths of my memories and I choose with whatever remnants of faith I have left to believe that God's steadfast love God's chesed, loving kindness, is unending and indestructible. It is not a magic spell that will make everything right. But in the midst of the horror, 
the not knowing, the not understanding, here is something to cling to, if only by our fingertips. When I was reading the commentaries this week, I discovered that the name Habakkuk means embrace, or maybe more loosely, hug. Over the last few days, I have given and received a lot of hugs. At one level, hugs can't change anything. But at another, they change everything. Because somebody has chosen to draw close to us in a shared vulnerability. So that in solidarity, we can cling together. Perhaps if we can hold together the permission to rage at God, and you have my permission if you need it to rage at God, with that and yet, we discover our God-shaped hug. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I'm not so sure about the waiting quietly today, but I am sure that we have God's said loving kindness. And so as this reflection draws to a close, I'd like to invite you, if it is helpful, if it's not, please don't, to hold your hands in front of you, palms upwards, imagining that in them you are holding the pain, the anger, the questions, the bewilderment, whatever it is you are feeling. Whatever you feel about Anne's death, whatever you feel about the national or international situation. Feel the weight of that because it is so incredibly heavy. And then throw it at God. And if it's comfortable, Either hold your hands together or wrap them around yourself as in a hug or hold hands with somebody close to you, whatever feels comfortable or right for you. And if you would like to, if it's helpful, either in your heart or whispered aloud to share these words. My soul is bowed down within me. But this I recall, and so I have hope. God's loving kindness never, ever ends. Each new day it is refreshed.
I will put my hope in the God whose love will never let me go. we come with our prayers for others and for each other. Let us pray. Loving God, we come to you this morning as every Sunday morning, some on Zoom and some here in the hotel. And we started as always with the lighting of a candle and the words, Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. And we've just sung, O light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. We acknowledge before thee that for many of us, the light is a bit dimmer this morning. And yet we are drawn together to share this time of worship and fellowship and to draw strength from the certainties of our faith and the promises of your word. We thank you that in all the changing circumstances of our lives, you are a God we can depend on. Always faithful, always true, 
always loving, always merciful. We thank you for the assurance that whatever we may be confronted with, your love will go on reaching out, your hand will go on supporting, and your purpose will go on being fulfilled. Help us to truly believe that, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, to put our trust wholly in you, confident that you will never fail us. In our church prayer diary this week, we remember all who are involved with the church magazine, The Key, and other communications that keep us informed. We pray for Clifford, for Ed P, for Christian, for Katrina G, for Jean and Walter, Paul and Rico, Ailey, Leo, Diane and Nigel, Katrina Itch and Ben, Rachel and Larissa, and we especially hold in your presence those who were closest to Anne. For Brian and Grace and Will and Anne's wider family, may they and we know your comfort and peace. We remember our fellow churches within the Baptist Union of Scotland as this week we pray for Nairn Baptist Church, for New Prestwick Baptist Church and for Newton Mearns Baptist Church in Glasgow. Guide them, we pray, as they seek to be salt and light in their local communities. BMS World Mission also focuses on community, reminding us that their community is spread across the world with their citizenship in heaven, but anchored in local churches. May each one play their part in making Christ known wherever they are. We would not be unmindful of the world of which we are a part, remembering that you came to our world through Christ to help, to heal and to save. We particularly pray for those living under conflict in Ukraine, Afghanistan, Yemen and South Sudan. And we think too of all those who are fearful about the future because of economic pressures from many sides. Loving and living God, we rejoice that you are involved in our world and involved in our lives, not distant or remote, but seeking the good of everything you have made. Gratefully, we put our trust in you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
In the book of Isaiah, we read these words. All you who are thirsty, come to the water. Come without money, come buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money. It is free. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus speaks these words to his followers. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So we come. We come just as we are, weary and burdened, thirsting for rest and refreshment needing comfort, hope and encouragement. Jesus ate many meals with many different people in many different places and in many different circumstances. Some of them were joyful and some were terribly sad. Some were great banquets and some were picnics. Some were remembered and written about, but actually most were not. But this one meal, the very last meal, is still remembered and is still reenacted. The Apostle writes these words. I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the mystery of breaking bread together. For the memories it stirs of other times other places and other people. For the way it connects us with those who are around us in the here and now. With those who were before us. And with those who will be here long after we are gone. May we who share this bread and wine glimpse in our ongoing lives the eternal banquet prepared for all. Amen. Jesus took the bread, he broke it, and he shared it with his friends. He calls us friends, so let us eat in gratitude and remembrance.
At the end of the meal, Jesus took a cup of poured out wine. And he said, this cup symbolises the new covenant made with God and all creation. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Dying, you have defeated the power of death. Rising, you give us the life of eternity. Glory be to you, O Christ, our brother, saviour and friend. Amen.
May the peace of the Lord Christ go with us wherever God may send us. May he guide us through the wilderness, protect us in the storms. May he bring us home rejoicing at all that he has shown us. May he bring us home rejoicing one day to heaven's doors. Amen. <laughs>